0: Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. I'm married to a teacher and a kids director, and this marker was had his top left off. Somebody's has got to stay after class, uh, I can tell you that. Um, I... Uh, I'm glad that you're here today. Um, I'm glad I'm here. You know, it's, uh, have you ever been annoyed by something? I know the answer to that. I absolutely know the answer to that. Um, I have been the annoyer, not very many times, you know, especially not to my wife. I'm glad she's not in here. That's right. <laughs> She is blessed and highly favored <laughs> I can't even get it out myself. Uh, I know y'all would uh, laugh at it. But I have been the annoyer, and I have been annoyed many times. I have, you know, especially if you've got something that you're trying to do, right? I mean, even the smallest little thing. So, one of the worst things it seems like in the world, those little gnats that come out midsummer, you know? And so you're out in the yard, you're trying to do something, you're trying to focus on something, and where do they go? Right around your eyes, your nose, and your ears, right? You know, those little things. And then you got mosquitoes. Or you're just on a mission, and you're like, I am going to get this thing done. And your phone rings, your text message goes off, you know, an email pings, or somebody comes to the door, and you're just like, I just want to get this thing done. And it's annoying when you've got a mission. Um, one of the uh, greatest cinematic, uh, is that right? Cinematic? Cinematic masterpieces to ever grace the silver screen was a movie. Movie that had a line that went something like this. Do you, know what, do you want to know what the most annoying sound in the world is? Like even higher pitched than that. Anybody know what cinematic masterpiece that is? Some of y'all are willing to admit y'all watched it. The others are like, I'm too good for that. I have much higher taste, you know, whatever. But if you haven't seen it, it's, it's a funny movie. But there's uh, two idiots uh, are guys, good-hearted guys, but they are not very smart, and they ask this guy who's ultimately, he's trying to kill him, they don't know that, uh, he, they ask him, you wanna know what the most annoying sound in the world is? And then they do this high-pitched in his ear, and like, it's about to drive him crazy. It is one of the most annoying things in the world. I believe they nailed it. It is probably one of the most annoying sounds in the world. And I want you to know that when you get annoyed, when you feel like, man, I just cannot get this task accomplished, you're not the only one. It goes back even to Bible times. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 16 We see him and Silas who are going to meet a woman named Lydia. They don't know they're going to meet this woman yet, but they're going to meet her, and uh, she's ready to hear the gospel, and she is going to be baptized. It's such a neat little, just a brief, but such a powerful little story. They go out looking for a place to pray um, on the Lord's Day, and they go go out there, and they meet this woman, but on the way, there's an interesting encounter that Luke points out. Luke is the author of the book of Acts, if you didn't know. That. Um, he points, points out this interesting encounter that they had on the way to meet Lydia. This young woman that they meet or they've been seeing for a while is uh, an enslaved woman, and she's also been um, possessed by evil spirits. Uh, she's got the ability to do fortune telling. And I, I want to tell you something, and this is just a little side note. Um, you know, I guess this time of year, it's probably really appropriate to mention this, but a lot of times, you know, we see things like fortune telling and seances and all that sort of stuff, and we say, oh, that's just goofy movie stuff. And a lot of of times, I bet it is. It's just fake stuff that people uh, act like they're doing. Even the people that claim to be doing it real, a lot of the uh, the mind readers or the, the fortune tellers or the people that say they can talk to your passed away relatives, a lot of those have very tricky tricks of the trade to find out information about you without you realizing it and they can share this. Or they just say things like, I believe somebody here has an injury. <laughs> I mean, you got a room of 100 people, you're going to have somebody with an injury, right? And they're like, oh, oh, that's me. And then you say, oh, I believe somebody lost a loved one recently. Oh, oh, uh, my grandma died six years ago. (laughs) You know, you can make it fit. But here's what I want you to know that sometimes that, that stuff is connected to evil powers. And so I say all that to say avoid that stuff, avoid that stuff. You know, I'm not trying to be, a, you know, fuddy-duddy, if I don't even know if I use that word anymore. But I'm not trying to be a stick in the mud. I don't know if anybody uses that phrase anymore. But I'm not trying to be somebody who's trying to take away all your fun, especially around Halloween. But I want you to know that sometimes that Satan works in very powerful ways. and He is nowhere near as powerful as God, but just it's best to avoid that stuff. This woman had the ability to tell the future by the powers of of demons, fortune-telling, so to speak. And here's where it gets annoying. For many days, she kept following Paul and Silas, and she was saying something really interesting. She was saying, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Okay, that's interesting, right? Because what, did, what was she saying? Was she saying something that was false, or was she saying something that was This is part where you answer. It's true, right? It's true. They were proclaiming the way of salvation. They were proclaiming the name of Jesus, that he was the son of God, the the servants of the most high God is who they were. And they're coming here to tell you salvation. And you would think that that would be a good thing. But she's going along and every day as they're walking around the town, she's like, these guys are, are preaching salvation. These guys are preaching salvation. These guys are preaching salvation. And she would not leave them alone. She was continually saying this over and over and over. The beauty of this sad situation, I mean, this young woman is enslaved. People are taking advantage of her, what some people might would call a gift, but many would be open and honest and call it a curse. They were taking advantage of it and making money off of her. She probably wasn't doing anything but surviving. And she's possessed by these spirits. And here's what's going on. Here's the beauty of it, though. We learn a powerful, powerful truth that we see repeated in scripture later on. The demons believe in Jesus. And I would take that a step farther. The demons don't just believe in Jesus. They know that Jesus is the Christ, the son of a living God. But you know what's also the really sad part of that is that the demons won't be saved. You can know, you can believe that Jesus is the son of God, but if you don't surrender your life to him, it does you no good. You can know the truth, you can believe that truth, but if you don't surrender to the gospel, it doesn't matter. And James, who we talked about a little bit last week, the brother of Jesus that, you know, Peter when he got free from prison said, "Go and tell James and the others, James, right, in chapter 2, verse 19, he writes that that powerful truth is that the demons believe and shudder. They believe that Jesus is who he says he is. They they know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. So just believing in Jesus is not enough. But you know what is so interesting to me, and I I know I got a weird sense of humor, and half the time y'all don't get it. (laughs) Y'all that do... This is funny to me because they're walking along. Everywhere they're going, this lady is possessed by this demon. She's saying, they're the servants of the Most High God. They're here to proclaim salvation to you. And finally, Paul is walking along, and he's finally like, shut up. Be healed. Come out, demon. I mean, he heals her because he is really upset and frustrated. See, a few weirdos. Thank you. Thank you. And it's good to be a weirdo. It is good. So if you're like me, it's good there you go at least somebody's laughing with me because it is hilarious if you pay attention because he doesn't heal her because she came up saying can you heal me like you see most of the other time he doesn't heal her because somebody else said oh look our our sister our friend my wife my my husband is sick and infirm can you come they've got a demon can you come and heal them he just says i'm tired of hearing your voice I'm tired of hearing your voice. Come out, demon. She wasn't asking for it. It evidently wasn't bothering her all that bad. And there were some other people who were really profiting off of, her, of her, uh, her issue. But she was annoying Paul. And so finally he says, I've had enough. Just come out. And she's healed instantaneously. So the problem is, even though they did this good thing, For whatever his reasons were, trouble comes. Have you ever been trying to do a good thing and you get kicked in the butt for it? I think everybody can say, yeah. You're trying to do what's right, and you just get kicked in the butt. You get kicked in the teeth, and you're like, why? Why? I'm trying to do what's right. Why does it always have to be this way? And you can get down on yourself, and you can start to wonder. You know, you've heard me say it. If you've been here a handful of times, you've probably heard it. My mom used to say when I had that little woe is me attitude, she would say that little song, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to the garden to eat worms, you know? She's so kind and caring, my mom. (laughs) But we get that attitude that things never going to go right. But we're going to look here in Acts chapter 16. You can turn and follow along with us if you'd like. Acts chapter 16, the scripture will be on the screen as well. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 19, is where we're going to pick up where we've just been discussing. It says, But when her owners, this enslaved girl, saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. You know what they told? Lies. They told lies. They were not causing a stir. What were they actually trying to stop? This woman causing a stir by running around everywhere, yelling and screaming at the top of her lungs. These guys are coming to bring salvation. They were trying to quiet the person who was making noise, and they were not advocating things that were against the Roman Empire, other than the fact maybe we could go ahead and allow this, is that you were supposed to call uh, Caesar God, and you know the idea of you know, another God in human form was a little bit scary to them, but they had plenty of other gods in the Roman pantheon. We know that but they were just telling lies. And that's something I want you to know. And I, I know you know it, but maybe you just need to hear it because I want you to know that sometimes you're going to be trying to do good and you're going to do the right thing and you're going to get in trouble for it. And there will be people who will tell lies about you so that you will get in trouble for it sometimes. You will have the best of intentions, but you will have people who will tell lies about you. They will, you will cause them discomfort. You will cause the, them to be convicted. You will, you know, the Holy Spirit will be working through you and using your words and using your actions, and they don't like to see your light shine, so they're going to try to get out. They're going to try to drown your light out. Look at verse 22. The crowd joined in attacking them. And the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. I want you to know something. When you preach Jesus... You'll bother some people. You'll bother some people. The question is, are you going to keep preaching? Are you going to keep preaching? When you live a truth for Jesus, and if I'm just being honest... Not only will sometimes people outside of the church, lost people who are really, really just caught up in deep, deep sin and don't know Jesus, they will get angry at you and they will try to hurt you. They will lie about you. But sometimes it'll be people that are within the church. Because they are wrestling with something that they are not willing to give up. And your faithfulness to God shines a light on the dark places in them that they have not yet surrendered. And so sometimes they'll do like the people who stoned Stephen. They'll plug their ears and they'll run out and they'll gnash their teeth. And they'll try to say all kinds of things about you. It will happen within and without because everywhere you go, there's people, right? And people are people. People are imperfect People are a mess. So when you preach Jesus, you will bother some people. And here's what I want you to know. That sometimes when you're trying your best to live for Jesus, you may think, I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to do right. But it will still lead to chains. It'll still lead to chains. And many of you, if not all of you, came up here and wrote something that is weighing you down today. And I'll be honest, I know because of the things that I wrote, I wrote multiple things. There were things that are of my own making, sins that I struggle with, that have put me in chains. But there are things that other people have done to me that have put a chain on me. There are things just because of life and because there is sin in the world and not directly, but indirectly because of sin, there are things that have weighed me down. And I know that all of us have many of those things. If we're being clear, if we're being honest, if we're being open. And we feel chained down and we feel locked up. We feel emotionally and spiritually and even physically in prison. Can I shine a light on something for you? When you're living for Jesus or you're sharing Jesus and somebody gets angry You are not their problem. Jesus is. I want to pause on that for just a second. Will you read that with me? You can read it out loud. You can read it silently. I don't care. You are not their problem. Jesus is. Switch it to I am. I am not their problem. Jesus is. If you are trying your best to live for Jesus or you're trying to share your faith in Jesus with, with your words and people get angry, you are not the problem. Jesus is. And as I said a moment ago, this can happen outside the church and, and that's pretty obvious, but it can happen in the church. Because if you're calling people to standards that they're unwilling to go to or their sins they're unwilling to repent of, they may put chains on you. They may throw these things around your neck and they may weigh you down with them and they will want to throw you in the prison. They will want to lock you up. And so I want to tell you something. If you feel these chains on you today, I want you to know that you can rejoice if these chains are on you because you're trying to live for Jesus. If the chains that are on you are because you're trying to live for Jesus, you can rejoice. And I want you to learn to try to seek after, chase after, wrestle down this attitude, the attitude that the apostles had in Acts chapter 5, where it says that they were beaten and told not to speak anymore in Jesus' name, and they were released. And it says that they went away rejoicing that they could be counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. They were saying, man, look, we have done something right because even though it took a, we took a beating for it, we were counted worthy to be suffering for Jesus. And I, I'm here to tell you that it's hard to develop that attitude, but you got to seek after Jesus. And I also wanted to put this disclaimer in. Don't be a jerk when you're sharing your faith. <laughs> I feel like i got to say it. Sometimes we, especially when we're first starting out, we learn a lot of truth. We want to go around with our gospel gun, right? And we're just shooting everybody, trying to knock them down with our gospel gun. And sometimes we can be, we can just be a jerk about it. That's not what I'm talking about. If you get persecuted because of that, that's because you were being a jerk. (laughs) But when you're trying your best to follow Jesus and you won't get it perfect. I know that. Don't, don't hear that little thing. When you're trying to follow Jesus and take a stand for him, just know that it's a joy to know that you were counted worthy of suffering in the name of Jesus. And yes, you're going to anger people when you share Jesus, and it can get you in trouble. It can get you in chains. And your chains, my chains, might not be as intense as what Paul and Silas went through. I mean, they were literally beaten with rods and thrown into a rough, disgusting prison But I want you to know, I know that it hurts. Even if it's just mental and emotional pain, I know it hurts. So what do you do when the trouble comes? What do you do when the trouble comes? Look at verse 25. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. They were listening to them so I don't know about y'all but that's exactly what I do when, when life gets really down I just sing praises to God not most of the time not most of the time there's a lot of times that I get angry and I yell and I shout out loud sometimes I let it bleed over on my family it hurts I get angry And I don't have that attitude of singing praises to God when I'm in those chains, when I'm in that prison. But I've come to this understanding, and and I tell you, I'm hard-headed. Don't amen too hard. Y'all don't say much any other time, so don't be... Man, y'all are really tough. Past two or three weeks, I don't know, y'all been eating turkey or something before church, but y'all are not responsive lately. Woo! Man, praise Jesus. But here's the thing. We get these chains on us and my attitude and my mindset is wrong I need to be reminded of it but a lot of times we get upset because we desire platforms over prisons we desire platforms over prisons we feel like when we follow Jesus even though I know here at this church we talk about it a lot is that that's not what it is what we see in a lot of modern religion is not biblical at all And I'm sorry if that sounds negative, but it's just the truth. And there are people out there that will show you or they will teach you. They will outright proclaim it. That if you follow Jesus and have enough faith that your life will be perfect. And that is a lie. The plan that God used to save us from our sins was the death of his son. And the carrying of that message was involved with the beating of his servants. Most of the prophets in the Old Testament were what? Killed. In a lot of the New Testament, the apostles were martyred for their faith. You have to know that sometimes it will be difficult to follow Jesus, and you will end up in the chains. You will end up in prison, and it is so difficult. And when we get upset, I believe many times it's because we want platforms rather than prisons. We have believe the lie that our blessings come in our pockets, right, in our wallet. We think that's what a blessing is, money. Or we believe that it's in the form of an easy life. God, if you love me, you'll make my life easy. And even as a church leader, not just in my own personal life, but just as my role as a church leader, there are so many times that I can get caught up in saying that blessings are a lot of followers and blessings are crowds. But following Jesus can lead to chains. But if you keep singing... Singing something can happen. Look at verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And I want you to know the chains are heavy and they hurt and they may slow us down and we may be pinned in and chained in and chained up and locked up. And here's the thing. We get upset because we desire platforms over prisons until we learn that with God, a prison can be our platform. A prison can be our platform, and I know I don't want to hear that, and you don't want to hear that, but it's the honest truth is that sometimes the prison, the chains, can be our platform. The, the breakdown is going to be the breakout. You know, what we feel, the the burdens that we carry is going to push us down so that we can be launched into what God is calling us to do for him and his glory. And we got to understand that truth. We think of them as a burden, but what we need to understand is that for a while, these chains may be our blessing. They may be our opportunity. It may be our big chance for freedom. Look at verse 27. When the jailer awoke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Supposing that the prisoners had escaped but Paul cried with a loud voice do not harm yourself for we are all here and the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear he fell down before Paul and Silas then he brought them out and said sirs what must I do to be saved what seemed hopeless what seemed pointless what seemed downright wrong why are we getting beaten because we healed a young woman from demon possession i mean how much better can you get and we get beaten for it. we get thrown in chains here's where the payoff comes Even though it was a bumpy road, even though it hurt, even though it took them longer than they thought these chains weighed them down, the chains held them in the place where they came to the next person who needed to hear the good news of salvation. And he literally came in and asked, what must I do to be saved? And they tell him, believe in Jesus. And it goes on to say that they took him that very hour of the night, they preached the gospel to him and then baptized him into Jesus. This guy who had never heard of who Jesus was, finds out in one night, hears enough, and boom, he's baptized into Christ, forgiven of his sin, received the Holy Spirit, and not just him, but his entire family. I thought y'all would like that. That's awesome. Everybody, two or three in the morning, gets baptized into Jesus, didn't wait, didn't say, let me think about it. They're like, that's good news, I want it. All of us. And it all came about because they got thrown in prison and in chains when they did nothing wrong. And I'm telling you, I I say it, I know it, I believe it, I don't want that, but sometimes that's what it's gonna take. Sometimes it's gonna take some discomfort, sometimes it's gonna take it's gonna take some waiting, sometimes it's gonna take some some hurt. Paul and Silas had the opportunity to change this man's eternity and it was literally dropped in their laps not while they stood on the steps of a temple but while they sat in a prison as they worshipped. And if I've lost you so far, I want you to hear this. God will often do more with your sorrow than with your success. God will often do more with your sorrow than He will with your success. So if you've got a chain on you today, whether it's one of your own making, your own sin, or one because of things have been done wrong to you, no matter what it is, what good can God bring from your chains? I want you to ask it. God, what are you showing me? What are you allowing me to be pinned down for the moment for? What do I need to learn from this? Who's going to benefit? Help me to see the story that's going to come from this. What the enemy meant to bring for your sorrow can become your story. Verse 31 says this, And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and to all were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house, and he set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. And so the breaking of Paul and Silas' chains gave them a front row seat to the breaking of the jailer's chains. But it wouldn't have happened without them going to jail against anything they'd done wrong. Not just him, not just him. His family came in to know Jesus. And so what was meant to torture you can become your testimony. And I want you to understand and adapt this. And here's what I want you to do. This is going to be uncomfortable, but y'all know if you come here a little bit, we're going to ask you to do things that are uncomfortable because that's what following Jesus is. I'm going to ask if everybody could come up here. And I know it's going to be tight, but I want everybody to come up here in just a second. Let me explain it. And I want us to get this chain. I want us to everybody get at least one hand on it. And we're going to sit here and I'm going to pray for just a second. And then we're going to break this chain. Because these things that were meant to hold you down. These things that were meant to torture you can become your testimony when you let God break these chains. And we're going to do this visually for us, but here's the thing I want you to know as well. Sometimes it comes in this big showy way where there's a big breaking of a chain, but sometimes God will give you the key to unlock the chains. And so what I want us to do is we're going to come up here, we're going to get a hand on this chain, and all at once, we're going to count of three, we're going to break this thing after we pray, and then I want you to grab a key, there's someone either side, and I want you to take this, and I want you to put it somewhere where you're going to see it, to remind yourself that you might feel like you're locked up, that you're in prison, that you're in chains for a while, but God is making a way, and that he will break your chain, or he will provide the key for you to get your way out, and it will point back to him for his glory and his honor. All right, so come on up. I know it's, know it's awkward. We can spread it out as much as we can. Try not to rip it yet, because we want to do this together. If you just can get one hand on there, and hold it up. If you can't get on the chain, just kind of, you know, put your hand on somebody's shoulder there, you know, in front of them. Everybody get in as best you can. I know not everybody might be able to get up, but... If you can, that's great. All right, get in. If you can't get on the chain, like I said, put a hand on my shoulder. Okay, let's pray. Father, it's been a week of burden for me. I think I needed this more than anybody else. But that's the beauty of you, God, is that if it's just one, it's worth it to you. And Paul and Silas went through horrible things, and it led to not just one, but many coming to Jesus. And God, we don't know why our burdens are. On us sometimes, and we question, and we get angry, and we we doubt, and we worry, and we just don't know what to say, don't know what to do. But God, you know, you didn't you didn't make these things happen, but you allowed them. But there's a purpose, and we pray, God, that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, help us to see what this thing that was meant to torture us by the enemy, by this world, by this world fallen in sin. The thing that was meant to torture us can become our testimony of your grace and your goodness. Even our sins, when you let us free, when you set us free. When we surrender it to you, it can be the light that shines to somebody else to see there's a way out of darkness into light, into life, and I pray, Father, that you would just help us to break every chain through your power, that you would help us to see the key that you're providing if it's something where we can unlock that door, unlock that gate, unlock that, that chain, that lock to trust that you are working and you are providing a way out. Father, we thank you for the victory in advance. We thank you for the victory that was purchased on the cross of Christ, for the blood of Jesus that was shed, that frees us from all of our sins and all of our shame, and the Holy Spirit that dwells inside those who are obedient to your gospel, God. We thank you for the victory we have in Jesus. We thank you that you are a God who provides a key. We thank you that you are a God who breaks every chain. We thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On the count of three, one, two, three, break them. Amen. <clears throat> grab a key, grab a key. Go back to your seat. We're almost done here. Funny thing from a preacher, right? Don't be picky. Don't be holding up the line, getting the best ice cream sandwich. I didn't all how y'all were in elementary school. <laughs> Here's the thing. You got this key to remind you that God is a chain breaker, that he is a lock opener, and that he will do it at the right time if you surrender to him and while you're in the change you're going to present your cases and you're going to want to uh, you're going to, you're going to want to say this is why I'm being wrong this is this isn't fair this isn't right or are you going to praise God that's the question you got to answer And while you're in the chains, are you going to point fingers or are you going to praise Jesus? That's what I want you to know. That's the thing that you can focus on in the meantime. We know that the truth is that God is a chain breaker. We know that God will provide a key, but what are you going to do in the meantime? Are you going to point fingers? Are you going to point fingers at Jesus and say, it's all about him? Are you going to plead your case and say, why is it my life better? Why is it my life easier? Or are you going to say, I want people to know Jesus? Many of you have heard the story of my good friend Jose who went to be with the Lord. I'm not going to go into all the details of his story. If you've never heard it, let me know and I'll share it with you later. But the short version is, is that his wife had wanted him to become a Christian for his entire life as they were married together, and he never would go to church. He was a good guy, but he never would go to church. And finally, he decides he's coming to church, and that day led to a a series of events where he found out that he had a brain tumor. And he went through a surgery that most people die from. In fact, five people went through the surgery that day in Greenville Hospital, and only one walked out. That was Jose. As soon as he got out of the hospital, he was baptized into Christ, and I'll be honest, I was skeptical. I, I thought maybe it was just because he was scared, and it wasn't really sincere, but from that day forward, he went around telling everybody and anybody that would listen, a lot that didn't want to listen, that Jesus is good, and he is king, and he, he died for everybody, and he had the saying, he, had, uh, he didn't speak English very well, he could not read or write, but he had this smile that would light up a room, and the big thing was that he had no fear, and he knew that Jesus was his Lord and Savior no matter what happened to him, that everything was going to be all right. And so he had this phrase that he would say, he would walk around saying, I'm ready for Freddy. And everybody's like, what does that mean? He just meant he was ready for whatever. And so for about eight to nine, 10 months, he lived every moment of his life that he had left for Jesus. He was telling people about Jesus. There's a really cool story. I'll tell you some other time if you haven't heard it about people on the trip he met. They ended up, the whole family ended up getting baptized like the Philippian jailer. But the beautiful thing was is that even when he got word that the, the tumor had grown back and they, they were going to try to do good, and he had another surgery. He survived that one. He had every reason to say, why God? Why? He only survived a few more months but now he's whole. Now he's healed. Now There's no language barrier with anybody or anything. There's no stumbling. There's no slurring. There's no not being able to get out of the bed in the morning because he was ready for Freddie. He was willing to say, God, use me, whatever it takes, whatever it is, use me, use me, use me. Jesus is the one who makes all the difference. Even if my life is a shambles, even if my life is a mess, even if I feel chained down and pinned down, God is the one who provides the key. God is the one who breaks every chain. What will you do? While you wait, are you ready for Freddie? We're going to stand and we're going to sing. And I ask you to answer the question, God, what are you doing in the waiting? What are you doing in the pain? What are you doing, God, in the pause that I'm in? Help me to see. Help me be ready for Freddie. Let's sing this worship. Christian Church's Sermon Podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.